The answer is to have a product or service or business that is so compelling and so exceeds customers' expectations that you can have enough margin in your revenues in order to be able to get everyone who works for you on a path to financial prosperity. Episode 218, what Maslow's hierarchy of needs means to you and your company. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. With more than 2.5 million listens and downloads growing every week, this is The Game Changers with Jason Jennings, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today best-selling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, reinvention, I'm your host, Dale Dixon. This is The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. Jason, let's get a quick update on the certification summit. What's going on? It's so fun to watch your excitement around this and (laughs) the updates that come every week. Uh, Yeah, I am getting very, very excited. Well, we're on March 23rd through 25th, uh, 2020 uh, at the Lodge at Tiburon in Tiburon, California. Uh, uh, We're limiting it to 50 people. I I think we've got our 50 people in a standby list of probably a couple of hundred people. Uh, But it's going to be self-selection based on everybody completing the homework and doing everything that's required to attend. Uh, I'm doing it uh, no charge. Uh, this is just uh, a labor of love, uh, a, a true labor of gratitude, and labor of sharing. And everybody is going to walk away after three days uh, certified to act, consult, and speak in my name and hopefully know every single thing that uh, I have been the beneficiary of in studying more than 220,000 companies, eight books, a couple of thousand speeches and events around the world. I just want to give all the knowledge away. And I am more excited and, and I get more excited every single day. So, uh, uh, so we're we're all good to go. That is exciting. Okay, and you've had several hundred people express interest. Yes. So we only have room for about fifty, correct? Right, right. And, and, and what's going to happen is uh, I, I received one email this week saying, you know what, I'm not going to be able to be there because of family stuff, and I get that. So um, so several hundred people have indicated an interest in attending, um, and we'll have some drop offs. Some people will decide not to do it. Uh, some people will change jobs, change positions, and it, and it won't be right. Some people won't be able to do the homework uh, and do the things to prepare themselves. And so we're going to end up with uh, uh, 50 bright minds from Australia, New Zealand, Asia, India, Canada, the U.S., the Cayman Islands. Uh, I think there's about eight or nine countries represented so far. It's, it's very exciting. And, and uh, women, well, which was one of my big concerns, would we have a, uh, enough women? Uh, yeah, what we are going to. Um, uh, young people as well as very seasoned veterans, uh, but all very, very accomplished people. Very accomplished people. So uh, it's, it's going to be great. Awesome. Now, this week, changing topics, uh, you were on the road again. <laughs> yeah, right. Got to smell that beautiful smell of jet fuel walking down the, uh, the ramp way. to the airplane. Yep. Yep. Yes. So any, any fun stories out of that travel? You know, wherever I go, Dale, this is, this is so interesting. I'm, I sit next to a lot of people on airplanes traveling several hundred thousand miles a year. Everybody says, wow, I would love to do what you do. I mean, during your research, you get to talk to all of these incredible accomplished people. Uh, you get to write books. Uh, you get to travel the world doing these speeches. And I, I always think to myself, if they only 
new. And so today, let me give you just uh, one little peek behind the curtain. So I was in America's Midwest, uh, unexpected uh, snowstorm. And uh, on the day of my speech, it took me uh, Google Maps said it, or Google Maps said it was going to take me about 17 minutes uh, to get to the venue. It, it took me about an hour and a half. Uh, at the end of the day, Google Maps, again, the 17 minute journey was now saying it was going to take two hours and 10 minutes through the snow. And, uh, and I grew up in the snow. So it's not new to me, uh, but there was not a plow out. I, I, they were totally unprepared. And so finally, I was sitting in my hotel room that night, and I, I was thinking, now, the airport's only 20 miles away, so I just want to paint this picture for you. So I thought, I'm going to get up very early in the morning, and my only footwear were two pair of dress shoes and a pair of running shoes. And I thought, well, I'm not wearing great leather show shoes out to uh, clean up my car, so I'll, I'll just wear the uh, running shoes and jeans and a little ski jacket, a little down jacket that I had with me. So I'll get up very early and do that tomorrow morning, and then it'll be a leisurely trip to the airport. Well, I walk out of the hotel at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I look at my rental car, and I go, oh, my God. There was a foot and a half of snow all around the rental car, on top of the rental car. And I thought, well, I guess I better uh, open the car and get the brush and, uh, uh, and get going and the scraper and get going. So I take the fob and I unlock the car and, and the car won't unlock. Uh, the car is absolutely frozen shut. And I'm thinking, now, how in the world am I going to clean off this car if I can't get the scraper and the brush? And finally, one woman looked at me and she said, are you having a problem? And I said, yeah, <laughs> I am. What gave problem. it away? <laughs> uh, the, 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 the car is uh, frozen shut and I can't get in to get my brush and scraper. She said, uh, you're not from here, are you? And I said, no, but I grew up here. I remember this stuff. She said, well, I have an extra one. So she gave it to me. Dale, it took me 30 minutes in deep snow just to get the ice off the windows and the doors so I could open the car. 30 minutes, 30 minutes. And I, I thought, okay, there's a peek behind the curtain of, of the life of Jason Jennings. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the showbiz side right there. <laughs> there it is. That's there the flash go. and glamour. Yeah, <laughs> is it ever. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, good that you're safe and sound at home in a warmer climate. Uh, yep. But today, you had a thought breakthrough regarding a major part of your work. So set us up. Okay. Well, uh, today we're going to talk about purpose, but we're going to talk with a different perspective. So I don't want anybody to think, oh, Jason's talked about purpose all the time or uh, talks. But I, I want to touch, we touched on something a few episodes ago while I was still formulating my thoughts. And I've been thinking about it constantly and believe what we're going to talk about has serious implications for all businesses going forward, uh, huge ramifications for everyone in business. So uh, in, in, in the past month, I've, I've done six speeches and events uh, with six very different companies, good companies that want to be great companies, heads and hearts in the right place, very, very capable leadership, strong business models, but each is struggling with getting everyone on board their purpose, and they, and they are all purpose-driven but they're having a difficult time getting everybody on board their purpose and each is struggling with employee engagement scores and, and they desperately want to increase their employee engagement scores. So over the past few months, all of a sudden the pieces of the puzzle have been coming together for me as to why, uh, why companies cannot get the level of engagement and engagement with purpose and getting everybody on board the purpose bandwagon that they want. 
And all of a sudden, I realized it all starts with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So in 1943, Abraham Maslow uh, wrote a paper, a lengthy paper, A Theory of Human Motivation uh, in the magazine Psychological Review. Uh, his studies have been replicated now scores and scores of time. It's still a basis for uh, business psychology in America. And so I, I need to draw a picture, if I can. And uh, in the picture, I want everybody to imagine a triangle or a pyramid, if you will. And, uh, and the pyramid is divided into five pieces going up the pyramid, okay? Now, th at the bottom of the pyramid is food, clothing, and shelter. That is the first thing that everybody is looking for in life. Everybody needs food, clothing, and shelter. I ask people the question, what would you do for food, clothing, and shelter? Uh, and I know what I would have done for food, clothing, and shelter for my family and, and the ends to which I would have gone. But, but after food, clothing, and shelter, now the second level of this pyramid is safety. Uh, once you've got food, clothing, and shelter, you, you want to have an assurance that, that you're going to continue to have those things and that you are going to be physically safe. But now it gets interesting. Once you've got food, clothing, and shelter, and safety, now what you want is you want to be loved, love, and be a member of a group. You want to love, be loved, and be a member of a group. Now, once you've got that, then what you want is next you want to have a strong sense of self-esteem. And finally, uh, the fifth level of the pyramid is you self-actualization. You want to achieve your full potential. Well, here's what I've been thinking about and the impact of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You can't get engaged or be fully on board the purpose of an organization until you're assured of food, clothing, shelter, and safety because you already have a purpose and your purpose is survival. So if, if, if your purpose is survival, how, how, what happens when somebody asks you to get on board their purpose? And so I started thinking, now, how many numbers is this? How, how, how many people does this affect? Well, I bet you don't know this, Dale. Almost 40% of Americans struggle to pay for basic necessities like housing and food. 40%. According to a 2018 study from the Urban Institute, 39.4% of adults reported they struggled to afford at least one basic need for health care, housing, utilities, or food in the year 2017. And these struggles did not just affect adults with lower incomes. They extended to uh, those with and uh, who are employed, who aren't employed, and many middle-class people. So, that means, does that mean immediately that 40% of, 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 of your workforce can't get on board your purpose? That would certainly explain low engagement scores. How, how can somebody be engaged in your purpose if they're already engaged in their own purpose, which is survival? And all of a sudden, I remembered Dan D'Amico, uh, the former CEO and chairman of Nucor Steel, who I've written about in a couple of books. Their steel workers make about $125,000 a year with base pay and bonuses. And I remember something he told me. He said, look, the base pay, our base compensation should be enough so that people don't have to worry about food, clothing, shelter, and knowing they'll have a job tomorrow. He said, I don't want anybody to be worried about those things. And then he continued, only then can people get on with the business of the company, consistently increasing productivity and producing more error-free and injury-free steel and being compensated additional amounts of money for that. So I think the answer is, the answer, Dale, is to have a product or service or business that is so compelling and so exceeds customers' expectations 
that you can have enough margin in your revenues in order to be able to get everyone who works for you on a path to financial prosperity. And then I started thinking, I, I, I think we've talked many times, I, I'm not a big uh, meat eater. Uh, I like Thomas Jefferson's advice, who lived to a, a ripe old age into his 90s. And when he was asked what he attributed his long life, uh, he said, number one, I run. I think about that running back in those days. Number two, I've doubled the doctor's daily prescription for wine. And number three, I use meat as a condiment, not as a foodstuff. And that's pretty much my relationship with meat in life, too. I, I can't remember. It's probably been 40 years since I've sat down in front of a piece of prime rib or a big steak. But I'll admit, a few times a year, I like a hamburger, and uh, and I've I've invoked the name of this company a couple of times, uh, In and Out Burgers, and and if you haven't studied In and Out Burgers, if you're not familiar with In and Out Burgers, uh, wiki them, Google them, find out as much as you possibly can. So several weeks ago, uh, we decided to stop in uh, In and Out Burger for a hamburger. Now, one of the things about going to an In and Out Burger is they're always jammed. They're always jammed. There's always huge lines. It's always tough to find a place to park in the parking lot. And I've decided that's just part of the show. That's part of the attraction, knowing that there are going to be lines. You walk inside the restaurant, and it's jammed. And you know once they give you your tag with a number on it, number 93, you know that you're going to be waiting 10 or 15 or 20 minutes to get your food. Again, that's just part of the show. And what is the show? The show is 25 people madly dashing around, peeling potatoes, making French, fresh French fries, every possible combination of their burger. And I mean, they move and they laugh and they giggle and they yell. And I think it's all part of the show. Now, here's the amazing thing. You can still buy a burger. I just checked this morning. You can still buy a burger, fries, and a shake for less than $6. Less than $6. And a good one. A very, very good one. However, what you'll see right now uh, is a sign in the window at my local In-N-Out Burger, starting wage, $18.50 an hour plus benefits. Now, think if you're a young person going to college, attending university, attending community college. I mean, that means that during your summer break, you can pull down about $800 a week. And if you pull during the school year, you pull down a few shifts. I mean, uh, that's pretty darn good money. So I, I think everybody has to look at their business and say, what are they doing? Well, what has In-N-Out done that allows them to really get everybody on the road to prosperity and, and yet offer this incredible and in, in, incredibly delectable meal for less than $6? And so here's what I'm going to tell you. Right, here's what I'm going to tell everybody. If your margins aren't large enough to allow you to provide employees a path to prosperity, you're in the wrong business, you're barely hanging on, and it's going to be your demise. You have to figure out a product, a service, a business model that's so compelling that's going to give you margins to allow people to be in a path to prosperity. Otherwise, there's not a snowball's chance in hell that you're going to gain buy-in and get people on your purpose bandwagon because 40% of Americans are struggling each year to pay for basic necessities like housing, food, healthcare, utilities, fixing their car. And if that's what they're worried about, they are not worried about your business. They are just using you, I mean, to have something to do and to make some money so that they can just get by. And that's the reason why Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's, that's, that's where the answer exists. That's why companies struggle with getting higher engagement scores. And so uh, that's it. I, um, I, I think it's going to call for a, a, a re 
a recasting of a business model. And as you're building a business plan, you're not going to be able to count on people making $6.75 an hour and thinking that you are going to get an engaged group of people working for you because it's not going to happen. So everybody's going to get to pick what kind of business they're going to be in. They're going to be in a purpose-driven business where they're, they're doing something that is so appealing to their customers that they're going to generate enough margin that they can afford to get everybody in the prosperity bandwagon, or they're going to be struggling constantly, I mean, to find people and questioning why in the heck can't I get people on board our purpose to be part of our big noble purpose going forward. This is you know the V8 moment where you slap your head and say it's so intuitive and it makes absolute sense when you explain it that way. Yes. Yes. And, and it's another reason I think businesses need to focus on helping their employees figure out financial literacy. Of course. And we've talked about this. Absolutely. And you see that the companies that, that care at that level, you take care of those initial human, basic human needs, then it gives you the opportunity to get exceptional work and engagement out of the employees. Because I, we know people want to do the right thing. They do. Most they people do. want they to do. do the right thing. Uh, they, 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 they do. I mean, it's been proven that in most companies, only about 3 or 4% of the people need rules. So we make rules for all the people because of the 3 or 4% that we should probably get rid of. Uh, I, I have never, I don't think I have ever used myself as a model. Uh, but I will tell you this. Anybody who has ever worked with, for me, uh, very, very early on or before they came to work for me, I wanted to know about them. I wanted to know about their story. I wanted to know about their aspirations. I wanted to know about their hopes. I wanted to know about their dreams. I, I, I wanted them to paint a picture uh, for me. I would talk to them about what are they willing to invest in terms of time or money to get to where they say they want to go. And then if I hire them, I then have a sacred obligation to help them get to where I know they want to be. It also gives me the right, I mean, to push and to be hard and say, hey, come on. You know, aren't you the person that told me, I mean, that you wanted to get married and buy a house? I mean, why are you wasting all your money? I mean, come on, come on, come on. I mean, that I, I have earned that right by buying into their story and, and, and their dreams and their hopes and where they want to get. And so you get to, uh, uh, you, 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 you get to be a tough leader. I mean, when you take the time to do that, I, I, I do believe that employers have this sacred obligation uh, to help everybody who works for them get on the path to um, prosperity. There's, there's a guy, and I'm not going to tell the full story today, but there's a guy in the San Francisco Bay Area uh, who uh, came to the United States penniless uh, uh, years ago and, and really had no money at all. And today owns, I don't know, pick a number. Is it 15 car washes and 10 or 12 gas stations? Um, but but, but I, I, I love this guy. First of all, he pays people extraordinarily well. Uh, because nothing thrills and delights Ben more than to see people do well. 
Uh, he employs a largely immigrant population, uh, Spanish-speaking, most of them, and uh, every morning there are English classes, and, and, and everybody learns to speak English. He's very involved in teaching them financial literacy, how to save money, how to buy a home, I mean, how to improve your credit record, what a, what, what a, what a credit score is, and how to improve it. And um, he is a benevolent caring, wonderful man who gets what his responsibility is as, uh, as an employer. Mm, that's fantastic. Okay. So, 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 so just think Maslow's hierarchy of needs and then think of the number 40% of Americans have an insecurity about healthcare, housing, utilities, and food in the most recent study. That's 40%. And it's not just people with lower incomes. Very often it's people with medium sized incomes. Okay. You've given um, a number of business owners something to really work on and grab a hold of. Um, this is, this is massive opportunity, massive opportunity. This is big. This is big. Yes. This very is big. big. And, and they're the facts. So you either have to say oh, oh, fake, fake facts, uh, or you have to really start thinking about it because exactly. right now, 40% of our employers, uh, employees are excluded from buying into the purpose bandwagon and, and becoming engaged. Mm. Okay. Thank you for doing this. This is an eye opener. This is a big eye opener. Now, usually at this point in the podcast, I ask you for a final word, Yep. but I'm going to turn the tables and I'm going to give the opportunity for a final word to somebody else, someone else. Okay. His name's Dr. Matt. And I'll let you decide if we we give Dr. Matt's full name and and his background, but you spoke to um, an audience where Dr. Matt was in attendance and afterwards Dr. Matt had this to say about your presentation. He said, Jason's presentation was a transformational experience. His magic resides in his authenticity. His stories, humor, and lessons are infused with a warmth and intensity that exudes genuine care and love for his audience that is not only engaging, gripping, and enriching, but ultimately sticky. That is, his secrets, in quotes, and teachings continue to resonate days and weeks later. On a scale of 1 to 10 for effective and engaging speakers, Jason is a 27. I can't wait to experience him again. Dr. Dr. Matt. I saw that uh, for the first time yesterday, and uh, I I had two reactions. One, I'm a pretty strong, tough guy, but I immediately teared up. Uh, because I thought uh, those comments were everything I've I've ever wanted to be in my life, ever wanted to be in my life, and um, uh, and it really speaks to why I do what I do. I mean, the thing that that keeps me going. And I guess I had a final thought prepared today too, and it came from me. And, and to tie up uh, our topic today, um, and I sat here trying to think of a final thought, and I thought, you know what? The greatest satisfaction I've ever experienced in my life is when I share with others. Mm. And um, I guess that's what this whole episode has really been about. Understanding um, going forward what business is going to have to look like. Contribution is one of those human needs to be truly fulfilled. You got it. Okay. 
Jason, thank you so much. Um, I'll encourage folks, if you want to reach out to Jason, his email address is the best way, jason at jason-jennings.com. Jason Jennings is the author who USA Today has called one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. Learn how your group or company can have Jason keynote your next event. Have a Dr. Matt moment. Uh, visit his website, jason-jennings.com. This is The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com